The Apostle Paul begins most of his epistles to the churches with grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I too greet you all today with those same words, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. For it is never our Lord's will that we should be overcome with fear and anxiety even in times like these. Though the governments everywhere are getting more hostile to the churches and arresting pastors who continue to hold regular services as the Lord had commanded, we need to remember that God is still on the throne and he is watching and will bring to severe judgment all those who are now persecuting his church and his saints and preventing them from functioning. The governments, though ordained of God, have certain God-given responsibilities to fulfill, and only those responsibilities. When they overstep their God-given roles, they will face and be dealt with by the one who sets all laws before us. So peace and grace to all, and especially be encouraged and trust our Savior to see us through all of this. So if you all have your Bibles handy, would you please turn with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verses 18 to 26, as we once again resume our series on this marvelous book, Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 to 26, and we'll read this passage through together. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. And the Lord said unto Moses, Thus thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, Ye have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. Ye shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shall ye make unto you gods of gold. An altar of earth thou shalt make unto me, and shalt sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings and thy peace offerings thy sheep and thine oxen, in all places where I record my name, I will come on to thee, and I will bless thee. And if thou wilt make me an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it of hewn stone. For if thou lift up thy tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. Neither shalt thou go up by steps, Unto mine altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. May God, the 
Holy Spirit, grant us the wisdom to understand the text before us and the message which will follow. But first, let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank thee so much for the word of God. And we thank thee that we can preach the word still today, though we may be in hidden rooms and hidden corridors. We are thankful that we can still proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. Guide us now, Father, as we study this text before us. May thy Holy Spirit give us illumination and understanding, and uh, may our hearts and souls be blessed, having heard this message delivered this day. For we ask it in his name and for his glory. Amen. This uh, last portion of scripture in the 20th chapter of Exodus is most significant as it relates to the people of Israel. If you recall back in chapter 19, verse 9, the Lord told Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee and believe thee forever. You see, God wants above all for his people to believe in his word, and he does everything that he can to assist our belief. Here in chapter 20, verse 18, the people see and hear the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. This was a most frightening scene. It was one that could not easily be forgotten or erased from one's memory. The people witnessed the presence of God in the form of these lightnings and thunderings, and as they did so, they were overcome with great dread and recoiled from the foot of that smoking mountain and stood afar off. And while in their state of terror, they pleaded with Moses in verse 19, Speak thou with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. You, Moses, you be the one who will tell us what God has instructed you, and we will listen to you. You are in his good books, so to speak. He has spoken to you, and you are still alive. You be our mediator. Don't let God speak with us, lest we die. We are too frightened of him. This, of course, was a normal reaction or response from the natural man. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 10:31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And rightly so, for God is holy. We are sinful. God hates sin and must condemn sin. This is the central reason why the unregenerated man hates God. He hates God because he knows that God is righteous and will one day judge the guilty. And that fear of God's wrath often turns to hatred of God as a way of coping with that fear. If you hate someone or something hard enough, then you will no longer be afraid. So goes the deception. But that is a delusion perpetuated by the master of all deception, 
the devil. The fear of God is a good thing because it gets our attention. It causes us to ponder our circumstances and standing before him. It causes us to search for a remedy or a solution to our predicament. The scriptures tell us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding, Proverbs 9.10. It is not until fallen man realizes that God is holy and that we have offended him in rebelling against his commandments that we begin to realize our guilt and impending judgment and doom. It is then that our heart begins to seek for a solution, and that fear and guilt continues to burden our soul until it is met face to face with the precious Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Then fear gives way to peace. Oh, dear friends, let me ask you this. When you stand one day before our holy and righteous God, will you stand before him in fear, with trembling knees and a stammering tongue, knowing that your eternal destiny is in the burning lake of fire? Or will you stand before him clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which was imputed to you when you believed on him as your Savior and Lord, knowing that he, Jesus Christ, paid the penalty for your sins in full. Oh, I trust it will be the latter. Please notice again what Moses tells people in verse 20. Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that is fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. And what Moses was saying to the people was this, don't be afraid. God has come to prove you or to test you, to see if you will be devoted to him, and whether the fear of the Lord will be before your faces so that you do not sin. And having spoken those words to the people who stood afar off, Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. Next verse, verse 22. And the Lord said unto Moses, Thus thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, Ye have seen that I have talked with, your, with you from heaven. Verse 23. Ye shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shall ye make unto you gods of of gold. Please notice in these last few verses three things. First, as the guilty crowd, conscious of their sins and frightened by the wrath of God, stand afar off, Moses enters the thick darkness where God was. Now this indeed was an astonishing sight, for I am certain that Moses too must have been frightened of the Lord as he appeared in this form. And perhaps Moses may have been escorted by an angel up to God, as some Jewish rabbis have supposed. Nevertheless, whether prompted by some angelic being or not, 
Moses entered into the thick darkness where God was. And there God once again spoke to Moses, though privately, all the words that follow, not only in this chapter, verses 22 to 26, but also all that is stated in chapters 21, 22, and 23 of Exodus, which, Lord willing, we will try to deal with in some manner or form sometime in the future. The second thing I would like to point out here in this last portion of Scripture is God's emphasis on the first commandment. He once again repeats to Moses that they, the Israelites, are to have no other gods before him and must not make any graven image of gods of silver or gods of gold. For though the people may pretend that these images are only symbols representing the true God, it would not be long before their depraved minds would soon turn their affections to strange gods in the same way as did the Egyptians, their former bondmasters. That is why God never appears before his people in the wilderness in bodily form. They, by these instructions, are being prevented, so to speak, from making God in their own image. But as we shall see later, the people soon resort to their sinful habits and build themselves a golden calf in Exodus chapter 33, 32. Rather. Idolatry was the sin that eventually led to their captivity in Assyria, and then later in Babylon. And thirdly, God instructs Moses about temporary altars while out in the desert. Since the plans for the tabernacle were not yet given, and it would be quite some time yet before it would actually be built, God instructs the type of altar they were to make for their sacrifices. These altars were to be very plain, very simple, and they were to be either out of earth, verse 24, or out of unhewn stone, as in verse 25. They were not to build with tools to fashion it into a fancy structure, for by doing so they would pollute it. This, of course, speaks to us of works, salvation, by works. Fallen man always feels the need to work for his salvation, to contribute in some fashion or other. And yet, salvation is all a work of God, not man. We are, as the scriptures say, saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2 8 to 9. Neither were they to make it high, thinking that it would bring them closer to God, and it would expose their nakedness as they climbed the steps to offer their sacrifices. In the Jewish Torah concerning this verse, there is a reference to their nakedness, which, because of their 
short skirt-like attire would expose their nakedness as they climbed the steps to offer that sacrifice. Later, God would give the priests very elaborate attire and breeches so that no part of the body would be seen other than hands, feet, and face. And each article of clothing and color would later symbolize some aspect of the person and works of Christ. Furthermore, in verse 24, we read that God says in all the places where he records his name, he will come down to them and bless them. This, of course, was pointing to the future coming of Christ, who would leave the portals of heaven to be born of a virgin and take upon himself the form of man, go to the cross of Mary, and offer up himself as the Lamb of God for the sins of the entire world. And so we come to the end of our short sermon for today. But as always, before I leave this platform, I have to ask you all this. Are you in Christ, or are you still out of Christ? There is no middle ground. If you are not in Christ, then you need to be warned that your eternal destiny is one of great suffering and pain in a place called hell. God does not want anyone to go to that place, but many will. God has done everything possible to save you by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to the cross of Calvary to buy your pardon. The work of salvation is done. The penalty for sin has been fully met. But you must receive God's pardon by faith. It is his gift to us. It can never be earned or deserved. The Bible tells us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3.9 And then in Acts 17.30 we read, And the times of this ignorance God winked at. But now, now commendeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man, that is, by Jesus Christ, the one who paid for your pardon and mine, by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. Oh, dear friends, do not let Satan deceive you. Your church cannot save you. Your works cannot save you. Your religion, prophets, popes, priests, or pastors cannot save you. Only Christ and Christ alone can save you. Only his precious, sinless, pure, undefiled blood that was shed for you is able to cleanse you and me from all our sins. Won't you bend your knees 
and receive him now as your Lord and Savior if you haven't done so already? For tomorrow may be too late. Let's pray. Father, we thank thee so much for thy holy word. We thank thee that thou hast preserved it to this day and that every bit of it is error-free. And we pray as we meditate upon this message again that has been delivered, that the Spirit of God will reveal to us what his will is for each of us in our lives, that we might be found faithful in the things that thou hast given us. Part us now with thy blessing, and if the Lord be not come, may it please thee again to gather us together next Lord's Day around his table. For we ask it in his name and for his glory. Amen.